He's pounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just like no bandit run. Alright guys, welcome back everyone to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. We're your hosts. I'm Bethany. And I'm Crystal. Before we get started, we now have a Twitter account. Woo-hoo-woo. I'm stepping up in the world of social media. Um, I'm not a social media guru by any means. Crystal um, runs our Instagram page, which you can find us on Instagram at Bayou underscore chronicles um and as always our email which is bayou chronicles podcast at gmail and now our twitter which is just bayou chronicles um i'm still kind of new to twitter but i figured since crystal was running our instagram that and I, I have no idea how to use twitter so <laughs> i would try to so yeah you can find us on twitter now um and also we want to give a huge Huge, huge, huge shout out to Ryan Seeky. If you've um, seen our uh, pages now, we have a new logo, which we are both super, super in love so with. Awesome. He captured us to the T. Um, and you can find him on Facebook, so make sure. And I'll probably put his name down in the description below. However, he did make it so I could never dye my hair any other color but blue. He did, but he but did. I like it. He loved it. So <laughs> that's good. So thanks. Shout out to him. You will not be disappointed. Um, I'm literally amazed each and every time. Um, so if you need a logo for your business, an emote, if you are a Twitch streamer, um, or any, just any type of graphic design, make sure, um, you look him up. Yeah. Tyler's going to get some of, some more emotes made by him because he really liked, awesome, really, really liked awesome, it. Awesome. Awesome. And maybe we'll start making some merch. Who yeah. knows? All right. Let's dive into today's episode. Um, this is a tough one. Um, yet again, this was a serial killer that I, I'll be honest, I had never heard of this and Crystal just mentioned it in passing and literally when she said it, I opened my phone. I think we had just finished recording an episode. I opened my phone, I googled it and like, I was like, don't even worry about mentioning anything else. Write that down on the agenda and here we are. Um, and I really thought I was the all-knowing serial killer queen and Crystal just keeps throwing these people into my lap that apparently I've been living under a rock, and I haven't heard of them. Well, granted, with this guy, a lot of people who call themselves true crime lovers haven't heard of him. Um, That's true. One of the one of the ladies that I used as research on YouTube, she had never heard of him either. Yeah. When I first heard of him, I actually happened to be listening to the Morbid podcast, and... I literally had to stop at one point because it got so heavy that I couldn't do it anymore. And same with the research. Like, there were several times in the process of researching this that I had to stop, take a breath. I literally, at one point, you, um, I don't know if anyone saw it on our Instagram, but I posted about the fact that I was having to, like, listen to some other thing other than this man's voice in order to
get it out of my mind. So I ended up listening to 2000s punk and like rock music and dance to Panic at the Disco at like midnight in order to feel better about myself. I mean, that sounds like a good night to me. It was. My husband was streaming on Twitch in the background, so I couldn't like... I was watching him. So yeah, basically mm-hmm. while you were watching him, I was... Because <laughs> we were texting each other and I was like really into it. I was trying to do last minute research so I could get all of our stuff together. And she texted me that and I'm like, yeah. And I was watching Tyler and I was actually playing VR with my brother-in-law. I was like, let me just make an avatar and kind of get out of this. Because I was, I was getting to the skin crawling part of yes. the research. As if all of it isn't skin crawling, but some parts were just getting to me. Anyways, let's jump on in. I would like to give a disclaimer that today's episode is for a mature audience. Um, we will be discussing violent and brutal behavior to women. Um, viewer discretion is advised. That I'm I'm being 100% serious with this. If you have any trigger warnings, if you've ever experienced this and you're not going to be able to handle listening to it, I would just go ahead and turn it off. Yeah, just skip this episode. Anyways, let's jump into it. Um, let's start by talking about the sick and twisted man that is publicly known because you know public likes to make names and glamorize them as the toy box killer. Um, David Parker Ray was born in Bellin, New Mexico in 1939. Um, there wasn't a ton, a ton of information I could find about his childhood. There was a little bit. Um, his father, um, was an alcoholic that frequently beat him as a young boy and his other siblings and his mother, which I feel like that's the telltale sign of a serial killer. I feel like every week we've talked about a serial killer they were abused as some a kind of alcoholic father that beat them or some kind of mother that i don't know which childhoods are rough anyways um all right when he was 10 years old his parents actually divorced and they moved in with his grandfather um his father wasn't really coming around that much but on the occasion when he would come and visit them he would give david extremely inappropriate bd bdsm magazines um, not your typical reading material for a 10-year-old boy. I mean, little boys do have, you know, their nudie mags, but this is, like, a whole new level of nudity, and this is nothing against the BDS- BDSM community, but... Because you do you, you, as long as it's safe and consensual. And you're also adults. This is a ten-year-old. Yes. This is a 10-year-old little boy that has been given these, um, magazines, and at this age, um... No. Um, Good old Playboy wouldn't be launched for another four years in 1953. So this isn't like cutesy little bunny hop material. This is pretty (laughs) graphic. Um, This isn't Hustler. Shall I keep going on? This is... This should have never been placed into his hands I mean, at such I a young age. I guess technically it's probably no bad, no worse than what you can find on the internet today. Today. But in like 19... 40s, 1950s. This was around like 1949, 1950. So yeah. Um. And first off, nudie mags weren't even really. I mean, they were a thing, mm. but it's not like it is to now, like where you can walk in I'm just, any store. I'm still stuck on the fact that any self-respecting father would look at their son and say, "Hmm, yeah, I'm going to give him these BDS magazines when he's 10 because that's 
what yeah, we do. Not, I mean, yeah. Anyways. Um, this most likely contributed to David becoming a sexual sadist later in life, which, I mean... Uh, well, I'm not saying that you can go and pick up something and then in, in 20 or 10 years you become a serial killer. No. But he already had a rough childhood. His parents are divorced. He's, he's being beaten by his father. His mother's being beaten. His other siblings. So, I mean, it, I, I feel like it does have to kind of be a characteristic. That I mean, did. I guess at one point it makes sense that he would view what he see what he's seen in these magazines as a way to receive affection that he's not obviously receiving and so he mm-hmm. thinks of what he's seeing as how you get pleasure from sex and he, he cannot distinguish the two he can't he just he thinks this is how women should be treated so Anyways, that's disgusting. A little bit, a few months down the line, his his mother is becoming heavily addicted to drugs and would often leave her children with her father. Um, and Ray's grandfather ran a very very strict household, so he has all this going on. His mom is now addicted to drugs, leaving them for months at a time, and he it's just um, I I don't know. All right. Um, Ray began to be violently bullied at school all the way until you graduated high school, being made fun of for being awkward and shy around women, which is, is that a little ironic? All through school, like all through middle school and even through high school, he's bullied for not being able to talk to women. And, and then we're about to talk about what we're about to talk about. All right, well... Anyways, having a difficult home life and constantly bullied every day at school, David had no escape from reality. You're getting beaten at home. Your mom's left you because she's addicted to drugs. Your grandfather is is just as strict as your father, not letting you do anything. And you think, oh, I'll go to school. I'll hang out with my friends, you know, have a good day. No, and you're, you're getting bullied there. You're getting beat up. You're getting made fun of for not wanting to talk to women, which is making the girls at school not want to talk to you because now you look like the weirdo. So he literally had no escape from reality. Um, and I'm not trying to make this monster a victim, but it is good to do research on the person's life before they became a serial killer because you want to know every aspect about them. You want to know what led up to it. Was there certain characteristics that made them want to commit these crimes and do these things other people so we're not trying to make we're not trying to make him a victim or you know victim blaming but it's just do more research than you know what the typical podcasts and documentaries do sometimes they want to uh it's no different than the fbi coming in and doing a profile of them yeah they have to dig down and see what they were like before they were this this name that the public gave them and it's not saying that every person with a crappy childhood is going to turn into a monster i don't think i think that his childhood made him the way that he is but i think he is the way that he is because he made that choice to be that way Mm -hmm. um after high school uh ray went on to join the army maybe a way to escape his demons you know he's finally getting a little escape he's getting out of his town getting away from his family he's getting away from the hostility the bullying 
Um, but at the end of his enlistment as a mechanic in the army, Ray was honorably discharged, which just means he was either, um, hurt in the line of duty, something, something happened, and they're just letting him go to say that he can no longer, um, serve in the army, which is completely different than a dishonorable, um, discharge. I, w I don't have to go in much detail. That's pretty self-explanatory. One is okay. One is not okay. Um, but he did get out of the army um moved back to um new mexico and now we're a few years down the line his co-workers when i did research on him had nothing but but positive things to say which isn't that odd because when we look at other serial killers um i mentioned ted bundy a lot but he's a good one to mention they're charismatic they're they're people person they're okay there's always positive things said about them but that doesn't mean they're not doing scary, sick stuff behind the scenes when they leave you at work. Yeah, I actually read that when he was first... Okay, so I read actually that when he first got arrested for his, these crimes, his boss actually gave him like a paid leave of absence because he was so sure that David had absolutely nothing to do with what they were claiming that he did which blows my mind that this man was this disgusting and his co-workers really and truly thought that he was completely innocent and just a really great, nice guy. I mean, that sounds um, pretty straightforward. They're not, I was going to say two-faced, not necessarily two-faced, but they have two different personalities. The personality um, that they have at work around everyday people and then the personality they have when they are... So David went on to marry and divorce f a total of four times. Um, to me, that's not surprising. Um... I mean, he's obviously, what we're about to talk to, have some issues, so it makes sense that marriages weren't really working out for him. Um, he did have two children. Um, now, me and Crystal did a lot of research on this, and I'll just mention both. In some research, he said he had two daughters. In other research, it says he has a daughter and a son, which we do know, as we'll talk later, that he does have at least <laughs> one daughter. In this book that I read, too, it mentioned him saying something as if he had two sons and a daughter. So I, at that point, got very, very confused and had no idea what's going on with the child situation. But I think they're all unimportant except for the one, the one daughter. Yes. Um, but um, one of the childs is Glenda Jean Ray, or as she likes to go by, is Jessie. Um, so that's a little information. Let's fast, let's flash forward a little bit to Ray being in his late fifties. He's now living in Elephant Butte, New Mexico. Um, I know we pronounced that right because we've also done research and we've watched videos and documentaries and everything. Um, but that, just that name. And I think Elephant Butt's funnier. It, so. is, it is. And that's kind of what I wanted to say at the first time, but I was like, there's no way they... They did that. And I lived in Clovis, New Mexico from 2017 to 2019. And I've never in my life heard of this place. Um, I'm sure there's some reason why they named this town that specific reason. Or they just have a wicked sense of humor. Um, 
Unfortunately, the small town was overrun by homelessness, um, sex workers, and drug addicts. Um, in the mid-1990s, it was deemed the second most crime-riddled city, which, um, oh my god. <laughs> I had a note out of there real quick. <laughs> second, like, in my mind when I was doing that, this I research. I wonder what the first is. I knew it had to be somewhere in Florida. I didn't look it up. <laughs> I didn't know. And I was surprised that this was number two. Because in my mind, being a Floridian, I just, my mind, when they say most crime rate, I automatically either think Florida, which a lot of people think Chicago, which, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, but, like, I don't know. Florida, yes. But anyways, in 1990, it was deemed the second most crime-riddled city. Um, I don't see myself or Crystal packing up our bags anytime soon to make that our new um, hometown. No, not at all. Um, Even though this was back in the 90s, I'm pretty sure it's probably still the same. Yeah. Um, Law enforcement had no sense of urgency since most of the crimes were against sex workers and drug addicts, which is sad. They they are people, too. So when I was reading that, it did say that there were a lot of crimes happening, and they kind of just, um, like our last episode, they just dismissed it. Oh, it's this type of people. We'll just write it off as this. I and mean, they're the population that's at the most risk for stuff like this to happen mm-hmm. because they're already people who are missing from their families to begin with and when someone takes them and it with that mentality you're saying that it's okay for people to go out and kill sex workers and drug addicts because i mean they're they already don't care about their life um no uh on this channel we care about everybody so it is here that while he continued to kidnap and rape women, he would eventually meet his girlfriend, Cindy Hindi, while at work. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought we could get through it without me laughing. <laughs> and I even <laughs> told Crystal, I'm going to laugh so many times and I read this poor woman's name. Um, like, I mean, we could, I guess we could have called her by her full name, which was like Cynthia Hindi. But Cindy Hindi is just so funny because I want to know at what point she thought it was okay in her life to go by Cindy Hindi. It literally rhymes. Like, I don't know. This, that's like top 10 worst names. Um, oh my gosh. All right. Well, <laughs> we didn't make it, guys. Take a shot or something. I don't know. Cindy Hindi. Anyways, David was working at the Elephant Butte State Park as a mechanic. Um, as we know, that's what he did in the Army. So he's a very well known mechanic. And he meets Cindy, who, um, from what research I could find, she didn't necessarily work at the park. Um, she was doing volunteer work, which was kind of like a work release program. So she wasn't technically like an employee of the park. Um, and a little info about Cindy. Cindy was born right outside of Everett, Washington in 1960. She honestly had a really crappy childhood. Um, I'm not saying, and we're not saying that means go on to torture and kill people, but. Anyways, let's talk about it. Her mom was a drunk who ignored Cindy and deprived her of food. Um, when Cindy was 11, her stepfather attempted to molest her during the middle of the night. Um, yikes. Disgusting. Uh, your mom holding food from you, I can't imagine. Um, I I feel like I'm giving my children snacks from sun up to sundown, so I can't imagine purposely not giving them food. When she confronted her mother with this, her mother ultimately took the stepfather's side and kicked Cindy out of the house at 12 years old. Can you imagine being 12 years old and being homeless? 
No, not at all. And it's because of your own That's mother. Disgusting. I read that um, when she told her about what happened, and the mom confronted the dad, or the stepfather. It's not her dad. The stepfather. He said that he mistakenly took, like, went to her bed instead of the mom's bed because he just got him confused. Oh, yes, okay. because that's exactly what happened. Makes sense. That's exactly what happened. Cindy would go on to start selling drugs and her own body to survive on the street. At just 16, she had her first of her three children. Um, oh my God, like, I couldn't even finish homework assignments on time at 16. I my, like, shout out to all of y'all um, that had children that young. Um, I, I... I couldn't. I can't it. imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you even kind of had yours young. I don't even have kids, and I'm older than you, and I still can't even imagine at 28, almost 29, having kids. I was 21 and 24 when I had my my kiddos, in uh, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, newsflash: You don't ever know what you're doing. But anyways, I can't. I don't even want to talk about what I was doing at 21 and 24. So. I was not having drinks and partying. I was at home breastfeeding for my 21st birthday. So, whoop, whoop. <laughs> um, in 1997, she sends the children to live with her mom and move to Truth in Consequences, New Mexico. The names of these. Okay, but the names there was of these a places. thing about the Truth in Consequences. Apparently, that was like a contest or something. Like, they were, like, sent out this thing in the 50s for a town to name themselves that. And that place decided that they were going to take the name. And so, they became Truth in Consequences, New Mexico. Just that entire area of the U.S., like, New Mexico and Texas. Like, I really did not realize that this part of New Mexico... Apparently, it's so crazy. Apparently, it's very down south, close to New Mexico. Mexico. Um, So, that's probably why I didn't hear about it because I lived up in the southern part right under Colorado. But, anyways. The southern part? Or northern. (laughs) Oh my God. Somebody take me back to school. (laughs) I'm saying that knowing it's not right and still went with it. Anyways. Colorado. Mexico. There we go. Um, eventually after a little bit of dating, David and Cindy moved in together on a big patch of land, um, where he could finally start to live out his sick dream, which, okay, you find this girlfriend and you think, now's the time. This is it. Um, Cindy began helping him build his dream trailer, filled with every woman's worst nightmare. Um, it blows my mind that... Cindy, being a woman herself, could help this man create such a torture chamber and then go on later to help him torture women in this place that they're building together. Like, how how do you do that to another woman? Like, I, I don't understand. It makes me physically sick to my stomach because I'm. she had to have known. I mean, he probably didn't fill her in all the way of what was going to happen, but how do you help him build this trailer and not know? I have to think that maybe at first she thought it was going to be like more of like a fantasy kind of situation where they weren't actually going to be doing stuff. I have to Like maybe that. invite a girl over and then do a few things. Yes. And then maybe, because I was trying to give her the benefit of that, I was like, Lay, we're going to talk about more gruesome stuff. Maybe she just got too scared that she That's was afraid to leave. That's the thing I could think too, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Fill warning too, it's about to get really dark. Um, 
this trailer was completely soundproof. It was filled with uh, literally anything you could think of, this trailer had it. Whips, chains, any sex toy ever made was inside of this. And um, since Ray was such a well-known mechanic, he even began making his own torture devices or sex toys, as he called them. They're not sex toys. There's They're no, there's no pleasure. Devices. There's no pleasure happening at all with these devices. They are devices. Um, this part is extremely graphic, so I would like to offer another disclaimer or trigger warning. Um, just stop listening now. Okay. If you want to hear it. <laughs> um, Ray created a dildo out of a PC, a PVC, I always say that wrong, pipe. Um, which, if you don't know what that is, um, go to your local Home Depot, Lowe's, if you want to sponsor us. This is your plug right here. <laughs> um, it is basically the plumbing pipes in your bathroom um in every building every construction site it is those thick pipes that you can buy at home depot or lowe's and he decided that he was going to make a dildo out of putting some together um wide enough because pvc pipes are pretty wide they're not you can get small ones but i'm just saying it's not going to fit where you think it's going to fit wide enough to cause destruction with sharp pointed nails at the bottom yeah really think about that um i i i just got a little nauseous there for a second just anyways Mm -hmm. created to inflict as much pain as possible to the female genitals there he there was no his thought process was never to create pleasure for women it was literally What woman can I find on the street and can I inflict as much pain as possible on her? For his pleasure. For him to feel pleasure. And definitely a PVC pipe shaped like a dildo with already rusted nails attached to the bottom. That would totally do it. There's There's some sick people out there. He also had another dildo that was attached to an electric motor. And he would turn the speed up faster and faster and faster. Um, And if you're not a woman, and if you don't know much about a woman, this can... It doesn't have to have nails on it. It doesn't have to have sharp objects on it. That is going to create so much trauma for the vaginal area. And I actually read that one of the women that he did this to... He got very angry with because she had a tilted uterus and it was making it a lot harder for him to do these things and that was one of the reasons he got rid of her so fast because it wasn't going the way he wanted it to. That was some of the ones that I was reading that I had to take a break and go play VR because I suffer from that personally and it affected both of my pregnancies so I really felt for her mm-hmm. um, but just gross. Disgusting. disgusting we can't control that that's our bodies mm-hmm. Ooh, anyways i mean in the middle of the room there was a gynecology i can never say this gynecological gynecological <laughs> you get what i'm talking about when gynecological you the, when you go to the gynecologist and they put you on that table with the stirrups that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> i'll never be able to say it but anyways let's go it's the table like that imagine you have this trailer like a trailer that you house moving stuff or you pull your horses in it's a trailer like this and it has a gynecologist table 
directly in the middle, bolted down um, to the floor of the trailer. Um, which was altered to let him tie the women down. Which, uh, uh, when you go to the gynecologist, you already are basically strapped down. I mean, not against your will. I can't imagine how any of these women ever got examined after this. I wouldn't. I, I don't I think thought that about. I, I thought about that because I was like, how could you go get a pap? Like, like you, you would, couldn't. You would have so much PTSD that I don't I, know what they would do for these women. I, I, I have no idea. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, it hurts me to think about their mental state after this. Um, no pleasure was ever going to happen inside of this um, constructed toy box, and I think these women realized it once they woke up inside of it. Yeah. Um, not only was Ray doing these things to these women, he was also inviting friends over to really rape these women, um, which I'm, I wrote this down in my notes. It says a lot about our society. These people knew and just took part in it. Like, how disgusting. Imagine if... Let's just, for all you listening, let's imagine somebody comes up to you. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's somebody you don't know. And they say, hey, man, I have this woman tied up right now in a trailer behind my house. Um, you want to come rape her real quick? And you go and do it. You don't immediately pick up your phone and call 911. You go over there. And it wasn't one. In all my research, there were so many people. Mm-hmm. Or parties that he had with yes. people that just came over. There, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but there is a conspiracy that a lot of people in this town were um, a part of a sex trafficking ring, mm-hmm. a sadistic, um, literally sadistic. sadistic, and it was a sadist group culture that this was their overall goal is to just find young women of certain build and certain size, and they would all just take turns in that scares me, and it kind of makes me thankful that I don't have uh, any daughters. And it makes me really want to push forward to make my sons really good people. Just human decency, maybe. I think your kids are already going to be really awesome kids anyway, so. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yes, I have a son. I mean, as um, long as they stay, like, obsessed with me, they'll be awesome. I have a son that tells me about his emotions more than I tell my own emotions to my husband. So, yeah, I think I'm good. <laughs> anyways um but i made sure to write that in my notes um because that really made me stick to my stomach that these women could have been helped and they chose to take part in it and uh anyways and then this next part i know i've already said a bunch of disclaimers but this part is very disgusting um after he would invite his friends over he would find um the research he had his own dogs and he would even find stray dogs on the side of the road he would bring them into the trailer after these men would rape these women pour gravy all over their genitals and have the um dogs you know what he had the dogs do and um i don't know i i don't know how you got any of those words out to be honest um not only is he raping them, he's having random men come over that, who do we know what? Yes, they're sex workers, but that doesn't mean that they have anything themselves. They're having all these multiple men come in. Now they're having animal. That's animal cruelty. These animals have no idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're strays on the side of the road. They're starving. Here's here's some form of food that they're getting. And it's just, it's like... Like, not only is he doing this to women, he's doing this to dogs. And I don't even like dogs that much. But that's still, like, that's not how you treat an animal. 
it's just it's very sickening and I would like to never read this and say this ever again in my life so I'm glad we're recording this today and I'll be honest it's gonna be probably pretty rough to edit it and put it out there but I already told Bethany we are going to do this one and then I am never looking we're at getting, anything about him again we're getting it over with and I'm done all right um it is thought after some research and people putting price points together that David has spent over a hundred thousand dollars on this toy bar toy box over the course of sadistic reign. Um, oh my god, uh, that's a lot of money. Um, there's so much that I could think of that I could use that money. Oh, heck yeah. Well, um, I mean, he could have taken the hundred thousand dollars that he used on this toy box and live in a lot nicer place than a double wide trailer which that nothing was, against double no, wides but it was falling apart it was when they when the disgusting when the police finally come and do their investigation on the land yeah he was not living in the best of conditions like, but hey you live had, your best life in your double wide but take care of it because it's your home but hey at least you had a really nice torture chamber yeah. am i right anyways um during their short relationship david because it is they were only together like eight months yeah when, well, it, yeah before, when like when this started to like when they got caught but i would like to clarify and we'll talk about it a little a little bit longer um he he did this for decades yes it is said that he killed his first victim as early as the age of 14 there's not a lot of evidence um but he did keep a personal diary and that was in it anyways let's get back to it i know we get scattered a lot because we don't like this guy a lot and, though. yeah but during their short relationship david was very open with cindy about the things that he did to women in the past um which is where some of the evidence comes from because cindy will go on later to snitches get stitches rat, <laughs> rat him out um, he claimed that he had killed at least one woman a year for the last 40 years of his life. Um, and that had become very good at hiding the bodies. So that's at least 40 women right there. Yep. Oh my gosh. Um, living so close to the Elephant Butte Lake, this became his favorite stop. Cindy claims that David told her that the best way to get rid of the body at the lake was to open up the chest and relieve any gases and fill it back up with rocks to help it sink to the bottom of the lake. So basically, after he would do this torture on these women, he would cut their um, stomachs open. Sometimes he would just straight up take their stomach out. Um, or he would cut the stomach open, put the rocks back in, put it back inside of them, and then just jump them back into the lake, which... That is taking so much time, and I can't believe that nobody ever saw him doing this mm -hmm. or well, found evidence. Or found a body, because we don't even know this is for sure how he did it. We don't even know that he for sure ever killed anyone. This is just he said, she said. Like, we've never found a body. But I just feel it in my soul, like, this oh, all did 100%. happen. 100%. There's no way. But you're right. There's no hard evidence you, that says yeah, this. You could not convince me that he was not a murderer. Um, the first victim that Cindy and David tortured together was an acquaintance of Cindy's named Angie. Cindy lured her to David with the offer of cake mix for her son, Abel. Oh my god. Come so over I will say. For a cup of sugar. That somebody that knew both Angie and Cindy but took Cindy's side of this whole situation claims that the cake mix was actually cocaine. Mm. But 
regardless of that fact... It's still not okay to kill people. You still don't kidnap people and rape them and torture them. Mm. So... Very true. Um, Cindy took Angie to the RV where David put a knife to her throat um, after being held for three days. And it's kind of known that David liked to mainly keep his women for three to five days, even though it varies. But after three days, David finally took her out of the toy box. Um... Angie was subjected to different types of scalpels, clamps, and saws, which that just, like, gives me full body, just, like... Just, just know that ugh. it happened. Don't try to think too much yeah. into it, into what could have happened, because don't go there. At a certain point, she knew that she had to use her street smarts in order to survive. <laughs> Shout out to Angie, because fight or flight. Fight or flight kicks in. Yep. I'm running. I ain't got to kick your butt. I just got to get far enough away from you for you not to catch me again. Mm-hmm. Um, Angie decided to pretend as if she enjoyed what was happening and liked David. Um, and no. Major pops to her because I couldn't have done it. But this is the... That's not... That's not David's MO. That's not what gets his rocks off. After a couple of days, she was able to convince David to let her go. They released her on the side of the highway with instructions to never talk about what happened to her when she was picked up back up by a sheriff who completely said her story was not true. She was crazy. There's no way that happened. Um, you know, because the town is known for having a bunch of sex workers and drug addicts, so she's probably somebody that's strung out. I mean, she was drugged up, so she was probably still under the drugs, and you probably just think, oh, great, another druggie, druggie. trying to tell me something happened. I'm just going to drop her off. Um, but it wouldn't be until after David's arrest that she would come forward and finally tell the story, which I think a lot of women waited till. Um, he did pass away to finally, you know, kind of be like, hey, I think... I think, I think this might have been something that happened Yeah, to me. maybe this happened, which... Well, they were oh so gosh. drugged up, yes. a lot of people just didn't know. Which, I'm amazed that he even let her go. He did let a few of them go, but I just... Uh, can't imagine. Alright, now we're going to jump to March of 1999. Cynthia uh, Vigil is working as a prostitute and offering her services to David. I mean, nothing out of the ordinary there that is very well known in the town of Elephant Butte. Um, David Parker Ray um, lures her into her RV and prevents a fake badge, and he is impersonating a cop, an undercover cop, um, which me and Chris has already discussed this. Um, If anybody tries to, like, say they're a cop, I feel like I'm going to lock my doors or walk away and call 911 and try to verify this. And I think a lot of you guys... Um, should do that as well. It's just like if the cop is pulling you over and it's suspicious and you don't really know that it is a cop, you can call 911 and they can tell you if that person that is asking you to pull Mm -hmm. over is indeed a cop or not. You can ask for a badge number, credentials, whatever, just trust your gut. I think, what, what rule are we on? Four? Rule four, trust your gut. Okay? Um, yeah. Let's, uh, anyways... Um, after Vigil tries to run away, Ray places her in handcuffs, gags her, and places a collar around her neck, which is kind of one of his calling cards. Um, next he takes her to his nearby trailer, um, his double wide, uh, where he straps her to the gynecology type table. 
because um, I'm not going to be able to pronounce <laughs> the other form of it. Um, which I want to clarify this. This stuff is not inside of his home. It is an actual trailer that is parked behind his house. That's where all this is going on. And over the next three days, Ray brutally rapes and tortures Vigil um, with the help of his girlfriend, Cindy. Cindy, Cindy. That's what you need, apparently, when you're a serial killer is a girlfriend sidekick. I, I don't even... Anyways, before the torture would begin on each woman, Ray would play an almost hour-long explicit recording describing everything in detail that would happen to the women that entered the soundproof torture chamber, now known as the Toy Box. And it's literally like 50, 53 minutes um, long. Me and Crystal have both listened to it one or two times. I think I've honestly listened to it three times. I don't know how many times I've listened to it. Um, and I was even, me and my husband got up a little bit earlier than our kids this morning, and I was listening to it. Um, obviously, I didn't want my kids to listen to anything that I do research on. And my husband just kind of looked over at me, and he was like, this is what you guys are doing research for? And I was like, yeah, you know, just your typical Thursday morning um, as I sip on my coffee. You know, no big deal. We might have to have our sanity questioned here soon because I was just sitting there sipping my coffee, making notes as I listened to this man. Yeah, I listened to it completely. I Well, I think we both listened to it to the way that we did because if you invest yourself in what you're listening to, you will break down. Like, at one point through one recording, I tried to imagine how it must have felt as a woman who was chained up, as he says, in the, like, in the tape. And I tried to put myself in that role, and I physically couldn't. I had to stop it because um, I'm not telling you to go listen to it, and I'm not telling you to go not listen to it. You are more than welcome to do whatever you want to do. But I am just telling you, if you listen to it... It's rough. It's rough, yeah. It's not... It's worse than you can imagine just listening to it made me feel degraded as a woman yes it made me feel like our species as female will always and, and will forever be less than the male race to me it was the fact that he could say these words to a woman and play this tape to every woman because she was not the first person who she played he mm -hmm. played this tape to mm -hmm. he was she was the last and we'll talk about that later because there's a lot of more, a lot more info. Yeah, and it just, I don't know, it just makes me so disgusted to think about that. It's just not okay. It is not okay to say these things to anyone. And the fact that he, he was just one of what we can assume was a group of his friends who a felt cult, this way. A ring. Uh, there's whatever so you many. Call it, that there were people who thought the same way that he did is just sickening to me like these people do not need to be in this world anymore i concur anyways if you are sick and twisted like us and enjoy listening to sounds of that while you drink your coffee in the morning you can find it on youtube we just chose not to include any excerpts in this podcast like many others because it's a listen at your own at your own pace um when you are open to it anyways let's move on um 
The tape specifically explained that Ray was to be referred to as Master and Master only. And Hindi or Cindy, um, I can't help laugh. This is a very serious moment. Hindi was to be referred as Mistress, which this didn't make any sense to me. Um, because, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, um, when you think of a mistress, don't you think of that being the other woman? I even wrote this down in my, yeah, in my God, notes. Yeah. So that made no sense. If, if Cindy is the number one, she's the top tier woman. Mistress uh, Cindy. I don't know if I would want to be called mistress. Because that would be referring to the woman that is being raped as the number one woman. Oh, I need to I don't know. That. I was overanalyzing it too much, but it just... It felt weird every time I listened to it, and he kept saying, you were referred to as mistress. Well, but you, but you know, he doesn't even say that Cindy is the mistress. It he just says my accomplice. So, yeah, she could have been doing this with many lo- women. But but for a lot of that time, because he says it was recorded in, like, 93. Yes, it was. So. This is six years later in 1999. What other woman was around in his life? That's that much true. time. I didn't think about that. There's one woman, and we'll get to her. Alrighty. Yep. Yep. And th- yeah, Crystal has a theory about this, and this is why we also talk about conspiracy theories. Anyways. Um, on the tape, Ray mentions that his new slave, and I kind of didn't want to use that word, um, but that's really all that was coming to mind, like, referring to them as... Yeah. Would be raped and forced to give oral sex several times a day. And he didn't say just him. He did mention that there would be other parties. Which, I I don't even know. They say she may be required to have sex with friends of his that are aware of what he does. Which, that part made me really sick. I know we've already talked about it. But these people need to be found and put in jail. 100%. Immediately. Um, it also goes into graphic detail about what would what to expect when he lets his dogs have sex with her. I know we've already talked about this. Um, that's all I'm going to say on it. Yep. The tape gave Vigil chills with the feeling this wasn't Ray's first time capturing and torturing a woman, which we've already discussed that, and it's clearly noted that this wasn't. So Cynthia was a very smart woman. She was already starting to piece things together. Um... So, yes. Uh, Who knows how many women he really killed. And it's still to this day, there's no hard evidence or a certain number. Um, Over the course of three days, Vigil was subjected to being cattle prodded, electrical shocks, and having large dildos inserted into her. On the third day, while Ray was at work, Hindi was supposed to be keeping an eye on Cynthia when she received a phone call. It said that it was just a friend calling to chat, not that it really matters, Um, but Cindy was kind of dumb. I mean, she sounds like it, and left the key within reaching distance of Cynthia, and Vigil was able to grab the key, um, unlock herself, unchain herself, which she still had the collar around her neck, and she freed herself, and there was a metal gate that separated Vigil from the living room because at one point they did take her um, outside of the toy box and brought them inside, which it didn't really specify at what points he liked to take them outside of the trailer and into the home. It seemed like... They stored them. I hate saying it like that. Mm-hmm. 
but like during the day it seemed yeah, in the house like chained up in the house like so the room that she was in um she kind of described it as um and i think later on in your notes it's described as like there being like pulley systems and stuff all throughout the um living room mm-hmm. or not the living room but the actual bedroom and that where she was being kept this particular day her hands and feet were unshackled to the Mm -hmm. wall and the only thing that she had on was the dog dog collar Mm -hmm. that was on her neck that was attached to the pole and then there was a metal gate that separated the room that she was in and from the living room and that's where she could see cindy talking on the phone and Cindy had left the keys on the other side of the gate mm-hmm. on a table. She basically shimmied the table close enough to her. Um, and she's doing this all while naked. They never let their their captives be dressed at all. So was, all she had on was this dog collar. She's freezing. She's naked. She's shimmying between this gate um, to get this table close enough so where she can grab the key, unlock it, and hopefully escape. She finally grabs a key and and unlocks herself, um, but Cindy kind of, like, starts noticing that something is going on. She kind of gets off the phone. She tries to come back in and stop Vigil. Um, Cindy grabs a lamp and hits Vigil over the head. Despite being hit in the head and being beaten by Cindy, she kept trying to put the key in the lock. Oh, my God, like, this woman, like, her tenacity... And her desire, this is when that fight or flight breaks out. And she's like, I don't have to beat the crap out of Cindy. I just got to get this. I just got to get out of here. I just got to get this thing unlocked and get out, get out the heck out of Dodge. And, um, she found the right key finally. Um, because I'm assuming it was probably like this thing that had a ton of keys on it. Probably to distract them if they ever did get the keys. And as soon as she's free from the pole, Vigil and Cindy start fighting, uh, obviously i mean cindy's not going to just let this woman get out that's going to tell all their secrets during the fight cindy dropped the phone the fact that she was still even holding her phone like girl get off the phone like this person is trying to do it anyways um vigil ran she gets out of the house she's naked um she's trying to dial 911 um no one was answering she starts getting beat again by cindy it would be noted that People who knew Cindy said that there was a small, she was tiny, so she was, like, kind of small in figure, um, but was all muscle and incredibly strong, so that kind of sounds, that doesn't, I feel like they said that to make it sound like Cindy was, like, terrifying, but no, I, we could probably push her over and run. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't really intimidate me. Ooh, she's small and muscular. Um, the phone disconnected during the struggle. I mean, it's not now. These are, like, cord phones, you know. Yeah. So all she had to do was pull the cord out, and nobody can make any phones. Um, and it was knocked over. Um, Vigil, she, the firefly came back in, and she was looking around and grabbed whatever she could. Um, and found an ice pick and began to stab Cindy in the neck. But which, on some of the research we did, it said face, it said ear, it said neck. Anyway, in the upper head area, she stabbed her with the ice pick. Um, that fell out of a box when Vigil was trying to run away. Um, and finally the, the 911 operator comes on the phone and Cindy gives some lame excuse about it being an accident and she didn't mean it. Which she just got stabbed in the neck 
and I can't, I can't, like, think of myself being calm enough to talk to somebody on the phone. Well, they said she was, she sounded super annoyed and just, like, irritated. Yeah, she just stabbed in the neck. (sighs) Thankfully, they, they were like, no, that's, no, nobody just randomly calls and sounds like that. So, they did end up dispatching, um somebody over and vigil even got out of the house and she's running to they had neighbors close by they did have a good bit of land but they did have neighbors so she's running to different different people's houses finally she barges into someone's home and she's there's this naked woman standing with a dog collar around her neck and they're like okay i need to call um 911 so they call 911 as well and finally the police show up um, and you think, oh, everything's going to be fine and dandy now. Um, once the police arrived at the location where the 911 came from, and that vigil claimed she was being held, they found an overwhelming evidence to back up her statement, including the tools of torture and a video of what horrors he inflicted on other women. Because let's back up a little bit. When they get there, and vigil starts spouting off this like story that you're like no that didn't happen the police didn't believe her at first which you have a naked woman in front of you wearing nothing but a dog collar she obviously has signs of trauma and your first thought is no she's a druggie let's not this is open and shut case i i don't know incompetent this says a lot about our police department and justice system. I know we've been bad. Yes, to me, it also says a lot about what people think of women who are in these situations and how they are, even if it's unconscious, unconsciously victim-blaming in this whole situation because they're saying, well, what did you do? Are you on drugs? Are you a prostitute? I'm so, sorry. so you must have asked for it. I just had a pipe shoved up my hoo-ha with nails at the end of it, but it's my fault. Yeah, yeah it's that's totally. How this research made me feel. Um, when one of the first responding officers pulled up to the property, he was greeted by a tall fence that was completely surrounding the mobile home. Two trailers, two boats, and a garage. As he made his way into the house, he walked into the room where Vigil was being held. There was green glass where that lamp that they were struggling over was broken. Blood smeared all across the bed sheets and walls. I mean, they fought. I'm sure they stepped on the glass and not to mention. Um, She's going to be tortured. Tortured. And Cindy was stabbed in the neck with an ice pick. So there's going to be a good bit of blood. There was a pulley system rigged up on the walls and ceilings. Um... A carpet-lined coffin with air holes. That's nice little decor addition. Um, now that they knew who was behind this crime, they had to they had to find David. David's not home. He's at work. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. Let's we should probably go find him, right? Yeah, they don't seem too urgent to do that. It wasn't long before the police arrested David and Cindy in their RV just a few miles from the property. So they're already trying. They're trying, I guess, to just try to find Vigil. Uh, something, maybe get away. They're already, I don't know. Who knows with these people? Upon questioning, both David and Cindy claimed that Vigil was a drug addict that they were trying to detox. 
that's no that's not believable we don't I mean, I wouldn't. In what world would that make sense? Oh, you're a drug addict? Let me... Kidnap you. Tie you up naked and shove random dildos in you <laughs> until you don't want to do drugs anymore. I don't under... I, I don't know. I don't understand people. Um, do we remember the recording tape that we were talking about? Uh, yeah, there was also a videotape to uh, go along with it. Um, the FBI goes on a search to find this mysterious woman in the video, knowing only that she has a distinctive tattoo on her calf. So, as he was recording the sound, he also had a woman, um, on his table. The recording was recorded in 1993, and this tape was recorded in 1996. From what they can find from that journal I've already mentioned that David does keep. Um, the video shows David with this unknown woman for over six minutes. After broadcasting this info on TV, a woman comes forward to tell him that her daughter-in-law, Kelly, had disappeared years ago after having problems with her new husband. Which, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Your husband's a jerk. I'm glad he's not your husband any longer, anyways. And your mother-in-law was kind of a jerk. Yeah. But I'm glad that she she reported this. Yep. Kind of turned it around. She reported that three days after Kelly disappeared, David brought her to the house and claimed he found her wandering the desert because, you know, it's just a town full of druggies that like to go on bingers and rape themselves. Um, Kelly's new husband refused to let her into the house as he thought she was out with some other man and high. If my wife shows up after being missing for three days... Number one, I don't care who you were with. Are you safe? Were you okay? You're butt naked. You're obviously drugged up. I don't know. Maybe I just have a little more human decency in me. I mean, I can kick you out of the house later, but... We're going to figure this out first. Yes, agree. Kelly went back with David for several more days. (laughs) Until she came back for her things. Finally, the FBI was able to reach out to Kelly and get her side of the story. It turns out the nightmare she had been having every night when she went to sleep was actually a reality. I can't I can't even imagine dreaming that every night thinking it was just like you being crazy. And then here's some FBI agent on the phone telling you that, no, this actually... This happened. This happened. Um, Kelly was friends with uh, a man named Roy Yancey. Um, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. And David's daughter, Jessie, um, who we mentioned earlier. She had heard that Roy was a part of David's satanic group. After arguing with her husband of two weeks, Jessie invited her out to drinks. Um, and this never goes good. This never goes good, guys. After bar hopping, Jessie offered to drive her home, but insisted on stopping by her dad's house first. Um, no, no. Red flag. Yeah, red. Waving in the it's, wind. Oh, it's like in her face. Just take me home. If you want to go to your dad's, you can go to your dad's afterward. Anyways. However, she decides to go inside David's trailer with Jesse for what she thought was just a few moments. She ends up having one of them at her side and one by her knees with a knife to her throat and a metal dildo between her legs. Like, where are these? There's just a surplus of dildos in this story. Oh, I I actually would like to know the amount of dildos that they found in the house. Oh, my gosh. I wonder if someone, I mean, I'm sure they had to, but had you individually count and bag it? Oh! 
After being raped for several days, David finally decides to let her go. After taking her home and her mother-in-law and her husband refusing to let her in the house. Wow. Just wow. David takes her to a friend's house to recover. So not only did he get this woman, rape her, drug her. The mo the mother-in-law and the husband are like, nah, we don't want her. So he takes her, he continues to take her to somebody else's house. <laughs> when asked why she didn't come forward sooner, she said that when she told friends, they told her that she was just sleeping around with guys. You need girlfriend? You need better friends. You need better friends. If a friend came to me and told me that she was raped and being drugged and that her husband and mother-in-law didn't help her... I would already have a spot in my house for you to sleep in. You would have done moved in. A mill on the table. No questions asked. You ain't got to explain to me. And it's sick that there's a lot of people out there like that that don't have any empathy. I don't even know. I don't even know. Um, very hard to read all this and discuss all this. She had to live so long wondering if her dream was real or something she made up. And just to be told she was a slut because she thought it was real. That's how it is for us women. And it's like the other women were saying this to her. Oh, yeah. We're being raped. We're being tortured. We're being drugged up. But we're just sluts. Yeah. After the rest of David and Cindy, Cindy was the first to start giving people up. When I tell you that Cindy sang, she was a canary. <laughs> they set her in the chair and she was like, I'll tell you whatever you want if you lessen my sentence. She's a chicken. Like, she didn't care. Snitches I'll get stitches. I'll tell you whatever you want. And that's what she did. She first gave up Dennis Roy Yancey. I told you we were, we were going to come back to him. This guy. I'll be honest. I didn't do as much research on this one. This was all crystal. So, let's go on this journey together. <laughs> I read some <laughs> of it. Um... Dennis was a member of David's satanic group and knew all that David had been doing. It was just, like we said, it was a ring. It was a cult. It was all these men getting off to doing these awful things to women. She claimed that Yancey killed a young girl named Marie while David watched. When police arrest Yancey, he folds under the assumption that the police have photos of the killing that David took. So they're just basically turning on each other. Yeah. They're like, oh, they have evidence on me. I better go ahead and say something about them first. Well, I mean, David documented literally everything, if not in a book, then with pictures. Wait, and I'm not trying to give you tips on how to be a serial killer, but rule number one, if you don't document anything. Don't you keep, keep your a diary. Mouth shut. You don't tell anybody, and don't take pictures or videos. Hello, there's your first evidence when you have your trial. The whole diary that you kept for decades of well, I mean, when and what you did to women. I know there's the rumor that, or theory or whatever you want to call it, that he actually sold a lot of the snuff films and pictures he did. that he took. He also so, sold some of the women to other yeah. to other people. Well, yeah, and I saw, I didn't really, couldn't find any research about it, but I saw something saying that he would actually some of the women that he would release he wasn't releasing them back into their lives he was set releasing them by selling them across the border in mexico so this man overall was just disgusting but uh, i'll let you get back to yancy um yancy reports that he took marie to david's home and that is where the killing happened in the process of the investigation it was determined that jesse which is david's daughter was marie's drug dealer Okay, she sounds like a great gal. Jesse reportedly liked Marie and was trying to get with her. 
I kind of felt that vibe. Yeah. I kind of felt that vibe from Jesse. The night of her murder. 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 <laughs> a few days before her murder, Marie and Jesse got into a public argument. She wanted to stay away from Nancy and Jesse, but someone. They always found their their way together. Probably, you know, it's a small town. You can't you say, just see everybody at a bar. Yeah. The night of her murder, she was offered a ride home from Jesse and was never seen again. Red flag, red flag. You shouldn't have gotten in the car with her. You're trying to stay away from her, yet you're still taking rides from her. It is thought that Jesse participated in this murder as well, which, yes. So, I don't think we actually put it in here, but I do want to point out that Jesse is sick and twisted in her own way, mm-hmm. 100%. But she's been raised this way. She probably she thinks it's yes, normal. She has, and so I read. Cause I don't think I um, even wrote it in our notes anywhere. I think I just ended up writing it um, in my like my notes that I was reading as I was um, just researching that Jesse grew up thinking that what her dad did was 100% normal mm-hmm. because he would bring these women home and do all this sick, twisted stuff while she was in the house. And she just thought it was normal, normal behavior. This is what you do. This is how a man treats a woman. And it wasn't until one day a woman escaped and ran out of the house naked, screaming and asking for help that she realized, oh, maybe this isn't right. And she actually went to the police and reported him. Um, I think it actually said she she reported him to the FBI. And they brought David in, and David went into detail about every single thing that he did to women, but claimed that everything that he did was consensual, and that it was fine, and that they wanted it. And even if they were suspicious, they had nothing to pin him down with. There was no... There was no proof anywhere that they could... Which blows my mind. I mean, he's been, as you're saying, he's been brought in before in question. And it's like they can never catch him because there's no, there's never been any hard evidence. Mm-hmm. I feel like, though, the toy box should be... Evidence in itself. Self-explanatory. Yes. So it, they said that after this report to the FBI that Jesse and... David got really close, and a lot of people said they were, like, kind of sickly close, like, not how a father-daughter should be, Mm. and a few years after this, in 1990, is actually when Jesse ended up pregnant and had a daughter. Uh, Flowers in the Attic. Very, Vibes. Very. If you guys know what that is. (laughs) And ended up sending the daughter to live with her mom, so David's ex-wife, who raised her. They actually lived in Louisiana, strangely enough. Um, But there are theories that this little girl was actually David and Jesse's child together. And I found lots of stuff saying that that it was just some random guy, but I also found a lot of stuff from people who say when they asked her or when she was drunk and they were 
asking her about stuff that she openly admitted that David was the father of this little girl. Because I get the vibe that maybe her father is the only man she slept with because I got the vibe that she only liked women. Yes. I got the vibe that she liked women, but her dad was her, like... Her lover, her soulmate, because yeah, they're so similar. If you look at pictures of her, they look identical. identical. Um, so maybe that just led to, like... That's what I think it is. Sick, twisted chemistry. I think she was way more into this whole thing than we all can imagine. And that that's when it started. 100%. I, you can't convince me otherwise. Alrighty, now getting back to the investigation, the officers looking around the property. On the walls of David's home, there were dozens of pictures of women in bondage and in the process of being tortured. And that's the same for um, inside the toy box. It was lined with, like, probably the most disgusting pictures um, that you can see. And one thing that really disgusted me is... At one point, the police department in um, Elephant Butte even made the toy box public. You could go and look at it. They were thinking it would hopefully bring some information from women that maybe were drugged or would remember. And it basically just turned into a tourist attraction, which is, to me, disgusting. Anyways, let's, let's go on. I digress. Um, there were a board of dates that he had kidnapped women and the amount of times that he had assaulted them, which by them, a lot of the times were the number five. I don't know the significance of that number to him, but a lot of the research and the names and the pictures they had, there's always the number five by each woman's name, which is sick. Near this board, there was a list of things that a woman will say to get out of capture. I'm done. We're captured. Um, there were used as a reminder so that you didn't fall for her tricks. Okay. I'm a little confused, but we'll keep going. The excuses included missing work or school, having children, menstruating, AIDS, and being pregnant. Um, honestly, the fact that they even need to make this list makes both me and Crystal sick. Because, of course, she's going to try to get out of being captured and raped. Raped? You need a list. Duh. You need a list. This just goes back to how shy David was around women. And I'm not being yeah. I'm not being funny. He had to remind himself that he had to be the one in control. Even while he's doing this, he has to make sure that he knows, I can't let these women talk me out of it. I can't back down. Um, yes, sir, you should. Anyways, gross. In the toy box, hundreds of items, including whips, harnesses, knives, sandpaper. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just, that one just. I'm rating all these other torture devices, and the sandpaper is the one thing that got no, me. The one thing that got me was the sandpaper, because all I could think was, ow. Oh, my God. Like, how? Like, mm. Anyways, clamps, fish hooks. Um, I've. That's a little different. I was going to say I've, I've taken a few fish hooks fishing, but not the genitals. So, anyways, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> and branding irons were found. A 15-inch dildo was attached to a generator. 15 inches. Fun fact for y'all that don't know about the vagina. It is only 5 to 6 inches deep. Not 15. Jesus. Or attached to a generator. A generator, which means it is physically a jackhammer 
I've, I'm trying not to make this funny. I think I'm just making it funny because it's so dark. Because you need to, like, your brain needs to cope with it some way. I just. I feel like we all need a therapy session after this one. Oh, my God. Okay, books on witchcraft and female anatomy were found along with a breast stretcher that he invented. My titties already... Oh, I'm sorry. My boobs. <laughs> I told you guys. I like titties better than boobs. <laughs> I told you guys. Anyway. That's how I refer to it. Anyways, my boobs. I, I mean, really, aren't you on Discord as, like, titty queen or I something? I am. There that is go. what I go by. Anyways, I'm letting too much information out. <laughs> my breasts. There you go. I'll be ladylike. Already <laughs> stretch to the side enough. I'm trying to picture what this... I mean, if you why? Want, like, I why? Show, if you want, I can show you the details of it later. I don't. But I didn't. I, I quickly read over it and was like, eh, no, I'm good. Anyways, one final victim would be taken um, by David. FBI agent Patty Rust was charged with the task of documenting and drawing all the items in the toy box. The next day, Patty drove to her family's house and... House... My God, um, last episode, you could talk. I couldn't see. This dog, I can't. House. In El Paso, Texas, which I have been there frequently. Um, That is a rough area. Jeez. We'll have to find some cases there. Anyways. Pulled out her weapon and killed herself. And that's just. I mean, to me, it's sad. But, I mean, I think it speaks to the pure horror that was the toy box. The fact that she had to spend hours in there documenting and drawing these items. And he he didn't even physically do anything to her. No. And he's still responsible for it. Yes, yeah. she did kill herself. But that's... Uh, uh, the blood is on his hands. It, I mean, chances are she was already in a poor mental state beforehand. Mm-hmm. Granted, cool. Mm-hmm. Not cool, but... I accept that as fact, is what I'm trying to say. But... The fact that someone sees that in a poor mental state and it affects them so bad that the next day is when they choose to kill themselves is rough. rough. And I mean, when I was reading about some of the people who investigated it, time and time again, I read about like grown men who would be watching the videos of women being tortured. Because there are not just one video of a girl with a tattoo. No, there are dozens of videos where you cannot tell who the woman is. You don't know if she's alive or dead. There is, this is sick and I'm going on a rant because I hate this man so bad. But there's a video of him in a black hooded gown with a pentagram necklace electrocuting a woman to the point that she either passes out or dies no one knows no one even knows who this woman is because he hides her face there's dozens of videos of him trying to play doctor with these women and he just felt the need to record it and people have to watch these things to try and figure out who these people are and it is impossible so grown men are throwing up looking in the trailer at things, collecting evidence, and going outside and throwing up. Mm -hmm. Yet this man and this woman, and for all we know, his daughter, were living this every single day. And that this was what gave them pleasure. This is how they got off. 
and the fact that someone could get off this way is just disgusting. And then, and then men wonder why we cross the street to get to the other side when it's late at night and they're walking toward us. And yeah, we lock why you our put doors. your keys in front. Put your keys in between your fingers. Um. Because we have to watch out. Maybe somebody like this might snatch us up one day and our families will never see us again. Because it wasn't just, it wasn't just like adult women. It's known that he also liked to snatch teenage girls. That's mm-hmm. um, A lot of the missing cases in New Mexico might be because of this man. Yeah. And there's a lot of cases with weird similarities of like there was one of a young girl who went missing. And the last thing that she was saw- seen doing was getting into a white van. Well, guess who had a white utility van? David Ray Parker. And it's all because people don't want to take a few extra hours out of their week to do some research. They just want to pass it off because it's homeless people and drug addicts. Well, it's going to keep happening because these people know that they can take these people off the streets and you're not going to do a single thing about it. I mean, I agree. It's, it's, it's not okay to look at someone who is working the street or selling drugs or doing something that you think is beneath you and discredit their story or discredit the fact that they're missing or the fact that they are being murdered and say it's their own fault they put themselves in that situation. That's not okay. They're still a human being. They still have a family. They're still a daughter, a sister, a mother, an aunt that deserves to have their mm-hmm. story told and deserves to live a good life. I'm just, I mentioned it a lot, but human decency. And I really hope these people never have to experience the same thing that these women did. Anyways, in the end... David would be sentenced to 224 years in prison for his crime. The years don't really matter to me. No. Prison time doesn't really matter. It's not going to change the fact. It's not going to take... Bring anybody back. It's not going to bring all those women back. It's not going to, for the ones that survived, take all that trauma and pain away from them. Um, But he did die of a heart attack after only serving a year in prison. Um, Cindy was sentenced to 300 and, oh my gosh, 300, she should have. Cindy was sentenced to 36 years in prison. However, she was released from prison in 2019 after serving two years of parole in prison. And me and Crystal couldn't find much on her. I couldn't find anything. I think she's just trying to live her best life, which she doesn't deserve. She doesn't deserve. She's probably just flying under the radar. Um... Jesse was charged with kidnapping and served two and a half years in prison, which is not, not enough. enough. Um, Dennis Roy Yancey was found guilty of the murder of Marie and served 11 years in prison. I don't think 11 years is long enough for nope. killing somebody. Um, but anyways, after his release, he violated parole and he now remains in prison until 2021, which is next year, coming up. Like a month and a half away. I feel like everyone in the case got off way too easily. way too easy and i mean that's not wrong i know a lot of that comes from the fact that they have never been able to find any of the bodies which is true that david claims to have killed all we have is a diary we do have video but that's not necessarily murder that's just torture and rape 
and you don't really know that any of the people in the video are actually dead or if they're just passed out. Yes. So, currently it's thought that he killed over 60 women. Um, like I mentioned earlier, um, someone, his first wife did come forward. I didn't talk about her, but I did do some research on her. He actually admitted to her, and I think that's basically why they got divorced. Mm -hmm. She should have gone to the police. But during their marriage, he confessed that when he was 14 years old, he tied a woman to a tree and tortured her until she did uh, pass away. Um, that's 14 years old. Uh, and he even admits in this horrible tape that you shouldn't listen to mm -hmm. that he had been doing this since he was a mm -hmm. child. Since the late 50s, early 60s. And this is 1999 when the last victim escapes and he's arrested. So he was doing this for 40 years and enjoyed it. Flying under the radar. Um, I hope he is running in the deepest level of hell, which is very true. Um, I, I mean, yeah, but also literally right before he passed away from a heart attack, he was going to show the police and the FBI a few places of where he had disposed of some of the bodies and I do kind of wish that could have happened yeah is it good that he passed away I mean yeah but the family the families needed that closure because oh, um actually having the body whereas this man saying they did kill your daughter it's not the same thing it's not even on the same level <clears throat> the case is dark. Um, both me and Crystal get very emotional when we think about it. I mean, we are women. Uh, we live our lives every day in the same bodies that these women did. Mm -hmm. And I already mentioned, what if tomorrow somebody might snatch us up um, on the side of the road. They're going to have to put up a very good fight. Because we're not going to go easily. Um, but we as women do have to live with this fear. Um, so just for those of you out there listening, maybe, and maybe you're not a woman, maybe you're a man. Um, think about that for a second. Put yourself in our shoes. Like Crystal said, um, I do that indistinctively. Mm -hmm. I put my keys in between my fingers when it's just me and my kids and I don't have my husband because I'm ready. Mm -hmm. I even, I, I even asked Tyler a while back, I said, it's sad that for so many women, it's instinctive to be in defensive mode just naturally. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, at work, I work in an incredibly safe, like, security-monitored place. Mm -hmm. However, if it's dark, not even when it's just dark... But when I get into my car, I immediately lock my door and I leave. I do not sit in my car. I do not wait around. I get in my car and leave. I don't have the luxury as a woman in 2020 to sit in my car with my doors unlocked, just basically waiting for someone to try to jump in my car. Or I don't, I just don't have that luxury. Now, could I? And could chances be that if I sat in my car with my door unlocked, nothing bad would happen? Yeah. Chances are nothing bad would happen. Mm -hmm. But what happens in that one time that I don't? 
Exactly. And I mean, and like we said, David Parker Ray was not the only person involved. Yes, there were other people arrested with him and they did serve time, but he made it clear that he was part of a satanic, sadistic, I mean, I call it a cult. I would it's too. a cult. And that there's hundreds of men and women apparently out there just like him that he has sold women to gotten women from sold videos to so that's that's why we're kind of ending this episode this way because they're still out there they're still among us i know that sounds like like david is just david was just their ringleader at the time he's just one of many so if you're listening to this you don't even have to be a woman um for the men to be safe um, know your surroundings. Um, a lot of other podcasts mention this, but if you have an iPhone, I'm not sure if Android does it. Always make sure that your location is turned on. That's very important. Make sure you have some kind of plan together. If something ever goes wrong, Mm -hmm. um, you never know. There's a lot of, a lot of sick people out there. Yeah. Take, it's not, stupid or dumb to take proactive steps like you can never be dumb with your safety never trust your gut 100 percent. like i know i saw someone on tiktok that created um iphone shortcuts for situations like if they get pulled over by a cop they can press a button on their phone Mm -hmm. and all this stuff happens if they're in a creepy situation they can press this one shortcut and it will automatically send their location to a bunch of different people and start recording on their phone taking the time to do that kind of stuff is not stupid it can Mm -hmm. literally save your life i mean i share my location with my husband and a few friends not because I want to know where everybody is at all times, but you can never be too safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, if someone calls you and says, I'm in a really creepy situation or whatever, you having somebody that can be like, okay, this is where she was when she called, that could be life and death. Mm-hmm. So just be safe. Be and safe. if you're this, and I do want to go back around and say, if you're in to BDSM of any kind. Mm-hmm. No judgment from no us. No judgment from that. Because it is safe and it is consensual and it is wanted. What you want. It's what you like. It's Yeah, and that's fine. You do you at the end of the day. No one's judging you for whatever you're doing. But the second it becomes unconsensual... And dangerous. This and was, dangerous. This was very dangerous to these women. This was causing serious trauma. Some of them probably passed away from that vaginal from just, trauma. Yeah. Some of these women probably never were able to have children or have families of their own. Some of these women just probably never wanted to be touched by a man mm-hmm. or a woman so. ever again because they were so violated. And... If someone listening to this is into this in a non-consensual way and you find pleasure out of this kind of things, please get help. I hope your butthole catches on fire. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, like this is just... I don't even know. It's not, it's not okay. Not okay at all. I'll let some detail of the video that I took away from it. Uh, us as people, whether it's cis women trans women we are so much more than a whole 
mm-hmm. as Ray liked to refer to us, that yep. women are just a hole for him to violate. And that's what you'll be experiencing. Um, or, and he says that he is, I think one part that hurt me was that, not just physically, but emotionally, was that he said that your holes were made for a baby to come out of and nothing bigger than a baby is what they would use. Um, Fun fact, both of my children were born from a cesarean um, because childbirth was very difficult for me. I almost died twice. Um, And apparently I'm not a woman because mine did not come out of my hole made for babies. Shout out to my doctor. <laughs> but still, like... I know, yeah. That part, I mean, that part hurt me yeah. because I didn't... I am a mother and I didn't deliver that way. It, it doesn't work that way for some of us. Yeah. Some of us don't have children at all. Anyways, anyways. Do you have anything else to add? I don't know. I feel like I could talk about how disgusting he is for the rest of my life and never get tired of it. But uh, also, at the same time, never want to hear his name or see his face, his ugly face. Even though when we publish this episode, I'm going to have to go find pictures and put it up. And I'm going to have to edit, edit this and listen and so do it again. So, but no, no. I say we make a deal right now and our next... Since this was going to be a two-part episode and we kind of made it one, I say that we make what was going to be part two a true crime episode that is like a survival story. Yes, maybe we'll take one of the women from this and just talk about them. Yeah. Talk about what they're doing now in their life. Because one of the, like Cynthia Vigil, she mm-hmm. does speak out. Yeah. There was a lot of videos and research that I saw of, of her trying to be an advocate for other survivors. Yeah. And I think it would be nice for us to do, like, cases of women who were brutally attacked and used their scrappiness and survived to help to help other women to help other women and became like advocates for making the crappy stuff that people do know just go through the motions of the days and i think it might be a little bit nicer on everyone's head because i'm not sure about you but if you're listening to this you're probably feeling pretty dang depressed right now Mm -hmm. so I think I should also tell everybody or encourage everybody to go get a cup of coffee, go listen to your favorite music, go do something that you enjoy. If you have a spouse, just go right now and just give them a hug. Yeah. Let them know that you love them. Yeah, just go do something that makes you feel good or makes someone else feel good. Go give back. Go Pay it forward somehow. Pay for the person behind you's order. Yeah. Or just something that shows that not everybody in this world is evil and sick and just disgusting. I hope he... Wherever he is, I hope that he is miserable. (laughs) Just miserable. Anyway, guys, um, thanks for listening to today's episode. On a happier note, next week, 
episode will be a little bit more fun because it is conspiracy week um so listen out for that and um like we said in the beginning um you can follow us on instagram at bayou underscore chronicles we now have our twitter page which is just bayou chronicles and as always email us to let us know how you like this episode what we can change what you just absolutely loved anything you want to hear us talk about whether it's true crime conspiracy paranormal something that happened in your hometown you can email that at bayou chronicles podcast at gmail.com Alrighty, guys i hope you have a good time until we see you again bye bye